Welcome to a new episode of Talking Rivals, a weekly show exploring everything about the best bleeping rivalry in baseball. Co-hosted by Patrick covering the Boston Red Sox and myself covering the New York Yankees. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Rivals, and you could also follow Patrick at Patrick Trotty. You can follow myself at CP7NY. You could also find our podcast wherever you find your podcast at Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. And you could also find us at Sportswire Radio at sportsinarium.com backslash player. And you can follow the station manager there, Thomas Bryce at Thomas Bryce 2017 for all the other scheduling of all the other great shows that are on Sportswire Radio. So, Patrick, we're almost at the end. <laughs> Thank God. I know. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying it, but it's sad. It's getting bad. It's getting bad late. Usually, with was the saying with Yogi? It's getting late early. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting bad late. Yeah. Uh, since uh since that since that sweep in Yankee Stadium, the Red Sox have won one series. Wow. And that was against Kansas City. Huh. They've just not been playing well at all. They lose. They win the first game at Texas and then they lose two and they have a day off and they come home against the White Sox. And you figure, all right, back to 500, hopefully, and three clunkers of games, really low scoring, three to two, one to nothing, and three to two. Um, so they lost two out of three and two out of three this week. And uh, I guess the good news is they have a day off and then they can play spoiler the rest of the week because they've got Tampa at home for two games. And then they're in Baltimore for a wraparound series uh, for a four-game series to end the season this weekend in Baltimore. So at this point, it's it's basically the same as what the Yankees are doing. You want to see some fight. You want to see the young guys get in there and mix it up. And whatever cliche you want to use, stay healthy and, and just show show off for next year and because there's right now the Red Sox have to go five and one just to salvage a 500 season. Wow. So, so last place is pretty much theirs and uh, yeah, that's where they're at. Let me, what are, what are your thoughts on some of the plays that they've brought up the last couple of weeks? Uh, do you think they're going to be on the roster next year? Yeah. I definitely think um, the the two guys that they got for uh, in the trade last at the deadline last year for Vasquez, Willier Abreu, he's only got 65 plate appearances, but he's batting 362, two home runs, 11 RBIs, 983 OPS. Um, he's only 24. Uh, I love Rafael out in the outfield, even, even with his growing pains, he's gotten 70 plate appearances. He's still batting 294, 800 OPS. And both these guys are 23 and 24. So I think, I know Red Sox fans don't want to hear the future, the future, the future, but I think the future is starting to get a little brighter. Uh, Valdez was the other guy that they got in that trade. I think they're building depth 26 man roster pieces maybe not frontline superstars but um you never know how it's going to work out because i could ask you about the young guys from the yankees and at the start of the year everyone was saying volpe is going to be the foundational piece and you never know within a year or two it could be peraza it could be Pereira, it could be dominguez it could be wells that turns out to be that piece. Right. And with the Red Sox, it might not be waiting for Mayor, uh, Marcelo Meyer. It might be the guys that are here now that are that are the real deal pieces that are going to be helping the team next year. And hopefully so. I, I'll say this though, Red Sox, they better go, they better go big game hunting for pitching this offseason. Yeah, that's a huge because game. Yeah, 
their their pitching staff. If Chris Sale is anything, but if he's asked to be anything more than a three number three starter, I really think you're. I think they're setting him up for failure. Yeah, he's kind of. They're shocked. asking Core to do way too much, and yeah. I don't know how you can. I mean, because you're throwing out guys with four and five ERAs, and at a certain point, it's like you can only do so much. You can't. You can't tell your your lineup. Okay, we're we're only going to give up five five or six runs tonight. Yeah, I, I mean, I like so. Bayo, but I don't see him as a as a frontline starter right yet. You know, yet I think no. The the, the lack of strikeouts worries me. He, I yeah. like him a lot, and he's. He's the best young pitcher that they've developed since. Oof. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> I remember we I remember we brought it up. I don't know if you asked it or I asked the question. Well, who was the last really good young pitcher that either of our teams have developed? And it's been a while. Yeah. I mean, I remember Phil Hughes. For you guys, mm-hmm. I I think it might be as long ago as Lester and Buckles for us. Yeah, because who so else? It's been a while. So Bayo is definitely. I think Bayo and Sale. Bayo definitely has a future with Red Sox. Sale, one more year left on his contract. He's going to be here. I don't think anyone's picking up that contract in the trade. I. Again, if they're the middle of the rotation, that's fine. You have Hauk and Pavetta and Cutter Crawford at the bottom of the rotation. That's fine. You need to go out and get a Blake Snell or Yamamoto or Aaron Nola or Rodriguez, bring him back, or a combination. Right. I, I could I could ask the same questions about the Yankees, though. What, oh, absolutely. <laughs> what, I mean, the one thing – uh, before we go to the Yankees, I remember I'd seen something today about uh, Raphael. They were they were going to try him at second, and they were going to make him play second in in winter ball. Is that did I read that right? Yeah, that's the plan because he is apparent from what I've seen, uh, watching him through the minors, and then reading about him, and then watching him more now in the major leagues. His glove is ready. He is. He, he is potential gold glove in either center field or up the middle at shortstop, but shortstop's pretty much taken in between Story and Mayer whenever he gets healthy and hopefully he'll be healthy for spring training and maybe we'll see him kind of shadow where Volpe was last year, this year, this coming year. So that's the plan. So the plan would be for Rafael to either take reps in center where he is or move him to second base and have Trevor Story kind of teach him and help him along this yeah. offseason. If you could do that, if you can have an infield with Cassis and Devers and Story and Rafaela, then you're then you're starting to build something. And then you can start to kind of allocate more money towards the starting pitcher. Or you could, you know what? Now you also got trade pieces as well. Yeah, you got a trade piece. In Verdugo, uh, Yoshida, people, a lot of Red Sox fans are kind of, he's, I think he's had a great rookie year. I mean, his average is back up to like almost 290. I think he just got tired down the stretch. He kind of hit the dog days of summer in August. Yeah. Because he was batting, I think when we met up for the game, he was batting over 300. And then for a while there, he dropped down in the 280s and, I think he's going to be fine. His biggest thing is defense. Uh, he doesn't really bring much defensively, but I think they have. I think they have about five or six good outfielders. None that are like we're not talking Aaron Judge power. We're not talking even Dominguez as far as upside. But I think you have out of those five or six outfield options it's musical chairs. So it's basically whoever comes to camp and gets hot at the right time, maybe has the best contract as far as, you know, team control. I could see somebody like Verdugo get moved, maybe, maybe down to Miami for one of their young arms in the off season. Right. 
because I know Miami and and the Red Sox were talking uh, this, I think, at the deadline. They were talking about Justin Turner for Cabrera. Hmm. And I've been happy with what Turner's done this whole year, even on a bad foot for the second half of the year. He's He's been like the second or third best hitter in this lineup. So if you can bring him back, that'd be great. But it, it all comes back down to starting pitching. Yeah, I agree. So I guess for the rest of the year, I just want to see the kids play. I want to see what you have going into next year. This is almost like an – this is basically an extended spring training. This is giving the kids looks for next year, giving them at-bats and seeing what you got because ownership and whatever happens with the front office, I, I still think a new name to look at is Sam Fold, the guy that's an assistant down in Philadelphia because he, he played with the Red Sox. He's from New England. He has big league experience, but if he's named in instead of Bloom, if he takes over Bloom's spot, right. um, I, I could see them going big game hunting in the offseason because he kind of he came up under Dombrowski, former Red Sox GM, who liked to spend money, and, yeah. and I think that'd be a welcome uh, that'd be a welcome turn of events. Definitely from, from what they've been doing. Definitely. I think uh, Bloom left, you know, the team in, in good shape, like ready to spend, right? Yeah, now it's that big step. Bloom did all the dirty work and the, the little, whatever you want to call it, baby steps or right, kind of the just the ugly behind the scenes, getting everything in order. And you can fault him. You can love him. Pretty much no in between. You either hate him or you love him if you're a Red Sox fan. But regardless, he did what he had to do. And uh, now the big step comes. It's okay, great. You got the money to spend. Now do you spend it wisely? Do you give it to somebody like another Chris Sale or David Price? Or do you spend it on somebody that can come into Boston just like Yankee fans now? Just because you spend the money on on a player doesn't mean they come into Boston or New York and do well. True. So, and uh, yeah, I and I was watching the Yankee game today because, well, frankly, because my team's not playing today, and I didn't want to watch another Boston Red Sox loss. So, <laughs> I was watching the Yankees. I figure, okay, whatever. I got Arizona on. They kind of picked my interest, and I've loved Arizona since the start of the year. So I wanted to see the game, and I think I was the only one watching because uh, yeah, just about <laughs> there, yeah, there was not that many people in the stands. And did did you watch the game? Yeah, no, I was watching it. Uh, there was nobody. Did you hear Michael Kay's um, story about Red Barber? Yes, I think so. Oh my god, <laughs> getting! I can't believe he got fired over that. Well, what was the story? He was, this was before Steinbrenner owned the team. So CBS owned the team. Right. And the national TV was on CBS. So the game was being broadcast and Red Barber said, you know what? I'm going to report. I'm not just, this is back in the day when a reporter actually, you know, just said, this is, this is what's going on. And, right. And that was true. And so he said, okay, pan out and show the crowd. Cause I want to, I want to, I want everyone at home to see, how few people are in the stands and CBS did it. And he basically, I think the paid attendance was 483 people or 413 people, something. It was a, it was a really bad number. (laughs) And this was in the old, old Yankee stadium. Yeah. So CBS panned to it. It, it made them furious to no end. After the game, he gets fired. Oh, my God. Yeah. So instead of saying, oh, well, I guess no one showed up because of the weather or what have you, he was just like outright, this team is horrible right now, and this is what you've got. And he got fired for it. But I, I never – and I think this was 19 – 66 
So that was kind of like the that was like right in the middle of the lean years for you guys. Yeah. But I can't I, I still can't fathom less than a thousand people. Yeah, that, I can't. Not for a New York any New York team, even the Mets. For any you, know, you get four hundred people to show up on Fifth Ave. Right, <laughs> exactly. I think the A's even got more than that. <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah. That's but the- yeah, today's game was. It was to me. It was interesting because I don't have any skin in the game, so I was just watching and kind of unbiased, looking at it. And I, you know, at the end of the game, I, I thought to myself you guys might have something with these young kids. I mean, it would be nice if Dominguez was healthy and all that, but I I think it comes down to this off season. It's a huge off season for guys like Volpe. Does he take the next step? I mean, what have you seen from Peraza and Pereira and all the young guys? And you know what? I was going to say coming into this game, I was going to say we're still like waiting for Pereira and Peraza to to start to hit Wells as well. But Wells, of course, a couple of hits, a home run. Um, Peraza hit a home run today. Uh, Pereira had a couple of hits, including driving in a a run, a big run. Um, So, yeah, before this game, I was I was still like, all right, we we haven't seen their bats really, you know, get going in on any of these guys. Um, Wells. We, that's all we heard about. Oh, his bat is, is 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 fine. Is is you know major league ready. That's all we kept hearing about. It was his defense that was bad. But to be honest, his defense has looked pretty solid. And today, a couple of hits, a home run. Um, so maybe uh, I, I could definitely see him coming in next year if the, if he's not traded. You know, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of moves. Um, I could see him being brought in to team up with Trevino as that could be the catcher combination. The other guys, listen, we, we've talked about the infield a lot and it's going to come to, it's going to start with Torres, right? What's going to happen with Torres? Is he going to be extended? Is he going to be traded? Are they just going to keep him and just figure it out, you know, during the season, what they're going to do with him? Um, because remember last, um, last off season, um, Hal Steinbrenner had said, you know, the future infield is going to be Peraza and Volpe up the middle. So do they still feel this way? Do they feel like, oh, let's extend Torres and maybe we'll, and Peraza has shown he could play third base. Maybe he's going to be the third baseman now. So I think a lot of these things are going to be very interesting going into the offseason. And I think it begins with Torres, what they're going to do with him. Um, yeah, because he's, to me, Glaber Torres – and I don't watch it every day like most Yankee fans, so I can't I can't totally grasp when he makes his boneheaded plays and how frustrating that must be. But to me, he's underrated. I just I'm looking at his stats and I know I know he makes those frustrating kind of plays, but the upside is and he's so he's still young. Right. I, I mean, I don't know if you can get him. If you, I would extend him, but it'd have to be the right price, and then you'd have to figure out the musical chairs of the infield. I mean, it could work if they extend him. I have no problem. I, I'm on the fence, so I could go either way with Torres. To be honest, um, if you keep him at second, you could always put Peraza at third, and then DJ could be the guy that floats around. Right, could play third second and first so it could work keeping them i don't i don't think it's a matter of you know there's too much here or they could always trade peraza and just stick dj at third right so i I think if they keep him it could work if they trade him or keep you know whatever situation with him it'll work out one way or the other um it's just a matter of do you want to invest you know six seven years or whatever it's going to be to keep him I have no idea because, like you said, he's young. He's only 26 years old. So is he going to want a 10-year deal, 8-year deal? Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. That that hurts to hear. Yeah. I, I'm I'm okay with a 5-year deal for him, but I don't know if that's going to get it done. You know, I, I just don't know. And, you know, you talk about his fielding. If you look at his uh, Savant page, you know, hitting, it's all good. But when you get to the fielding, it's poor. 
right? It's in the blue. Yeah. And that's not good if you want to check out his page. So, and it's just a mental block on this kid because we've seen him perform very well in the field. Yeah, that's what I mean. He flashes these great plays and makes he makes a difficult play look easy. And then yeah. the routine play, it's just he's out to lunch sometimes. Yeah, so I don't know. I have no idea. I, I'm assuming, listen, at 26, 27, you could, you could still drill it into him that you got to stay focused and all that. And and I'm sure it could be fixed. But if it's not, you're going to be kind of screwed and paying this guy whatever, 20-something million dollars every year to look like, you know, like he's – and people say – To me, the comparison is – and once I say this – even I, I, most people are going to say, oh, my God, don't sign. But to me, what I fear is, does he turn out to be the next hobby bias? Right. That's a good one. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, because he has all the talent in the world. And it's not fair to compare him to a past guy like Robinson Cano. Right. But I, I'm just I'm just trying to find a comparable player. And to me, hobby bias, slick fielder, strong arm. Just poor, poor day-to-day focus, and it's a contract that I'm sure Detroit wishes they could get, could get out of. I think a part of I think if Baez goes to a better team, I think he would he would focus better. Yeah, right. Because when he was with Chicago, he was fine. With the Mets, he was getting a little shaky, but they were getting bad too. So, you know, he goes to Detroit. I know he's part of the problem, though. Obviously, when they're losing. But that, that's what I see. I, I think he would be a guy, if you're willing to, you know, maybe eat some of the contract, I think they can move him to a, to a you know, to a team, uh, to a, you know, a team that I think he would be okay with. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I think that's what's affecting him the most. That's just me. But. Yeah, I mean, Torres, yeah, no, that's a great point because Torres, I, I think – looking from the outside in is the key to the off season because it's, what do you do with the rest of the young players? Well, you got to figure out Torres first. And, and I think you said it before, you don't want him playing on his last year of his deal. You don't want him to play that out and see what happens because I don't think he's going to, he's not going to play well with the rumors. Right. And you could tell like mentally, he got he gets so affected by the trade deadline, trade rumors. Um, when they moved him to short, he couldn't handle that. He was a mess at short. Um, so that's the that's the thing that scares me a little bit that he's just mentally not strong in that way. So um, when he's hitting wise, he's fine. Two seventy, two eighty hitter. Um, that part you love about him, but it's the fielding, it's the the base running that he just makes these errors. And you're just like, what do you like? Just, I don't know, just bonehead mistakes that a major league baseball player should not be making. But to be honest, I see that a lot now in the majors. I see a lot of guys making bad base running decisions and maybe it's these coaches wanting to be more aggressive on the, on the base path. I don't know. Maybe that's what they're teaching them to take a chance. Uh, I don't know be aggressive i think yeah i think there's i think it goes back to the way people coach they coach the base runners to be aggressive because they know that they're coaching that they're not coaching the fundamentals on the flip side in fielding right <laughs> so they basically know that okay this guy is going to throw it side armor under you know he's going to be kind of lax days ago with this throwing motion over so maybe you can try and take the extra base right yeah. but i i think there's a lot of that in today's game uh, there's a lot all around of just bad fundamentals yeah i don't think i don't think they're teaching it as much as they should be um and um i mean that that's that's at least what i see and like i said coming into today with the young players I, we, we didn't really see the offense going yet with these guys, with Wells, Pereira, and um, and Peraza. But again, they hit well today. So maybe this, maybe the last week they'll they'll start hitting. You know, Florial is up now too.
but I, I don't know if he's got a place either next year. You know, you could see he's flawed. You could see why the other teams did not pick him up. You know what I mean? You could see when he plays. I'm not saying he's a horrible player. No, like, I see him on like on a on a really good championship level team. I see him as the fourth or fifth outfielder. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. It. That's yeah. He's not an everyday player. Um, defensively, he's okay, but you could tell, you know, like that where it's a little weak too. But um, yeah, I, I don't think he could be the everyday center fielder for us next year. To even to bridge it to Dominguez coming back. I don't know. I wouldn't trust him as a everyday center fielder. But um, and bef- before we get off our teams and check out the last week of the season with you know kind of a look around the league and stuff, who do you? Okay, if you were in charge, who do you want as your opening day starting nine? Because you know Ooh. you know Cole is getting the ball opening day twenty twenty four. Right. So that's one spot. You know Judge is out, out there in right field. For better or for worse, stands the DH. What does the rest of the outfield look like Ooh. opening day? <laughs> I think uh, to be determined in left and center. Yeah. I think there's going to be a trade. I think there's going to be a signing. Do The question will be, do they go big and sign Bellinger for center? I think it's a great move um, because he fills a huge need, more than one need, but he fills center field, obviously. He fills the left-handed power bat in that lineup. And obviously, offense has been horrendous this year. So we could use that extra bat in the lineup. And then in a couple of years, maybe even by the end of the year, when Dominguez comes back, if you want to move Bellinger, you can move him right to first. And Rizzo, he's only got one more year left. And who knows what he's going to be next year. So <laughs> that would be my center fielder. And then left field, I think in a trade, because they got the arms, they can make moves now. They got they got some depth in the rotation um, with young you know young pitchers in AAA and AA. I think they can make a move. Um, I would not mind seeing a left fielder now. Who's going to be available? That's a whole other thing. But to me, I think both of those are to be determined. And the infield, like I said, it's going to come down to what they do with Torres. If Torres stays at second, that's great. It'll be Torres, Volpe, and I could see Peraza as the third baseman. And DJ is being that guy that's going to float between third, second, and first. Um, what they originally yeah, signed. Yeah, because you don't know how Rizzo's going to come back. Yeah, that's the other thing. It could This could be a long-term thing, and maybe DJ will be at first. And we'll be looking for a first baseman. So I, I think, you know, in that sense, because I haven't seen enough with Pereira to be the everyday left fielder, right? So I, I'm not penciling him in left field. Um and with catcher, I could see Wells coming up and being, you know, being the backup to Trevino or just splitting time with Trevino. If his offense gets, you know, if his offense gets more consistent, he could definitely split time with Trevino because Trevino, we've seen his offense is just not there. And yeah, Wells' swing is built for Yankee Stadium. Yeah. So uh, it would be great if his offense gets going, you know, gets more consistent and. Mm-hmm. You could keep him in the lineup more. And I, I think that that would be for me, you know, to me, like after the Torres decision comes, you know, when you figure out the infield, then it's going to be the outfield, center and left. What are you going to do there? Are you going to go big and sign him, uh, Bellinger? Are you going to sign uh, the Korean guy, Lee, to play left? You could do that or center because he could play center or left, that guy. So I think there's options out there. And I just, it just depends on in what direction they go. I mean, we don't know who's going to be available this offseason in the trade. We do know with the free agents, we have that. So I think it's it's going to be interesting. You know, do they go big since they do have a lot of money coming off the books? But yeah, we still... Here's one for you. Go huge and put Bellinger in left. Trade for Mike Trout. If they took Stanton's deal, I'll, I'll do that in a second. But I wouldn't take what him on. Cost Stanton for Trout? No way. No, but they would have to. I I would give him something else, but not much more, because Stanton's. I mean, uh, Trout's contract is is awful. It's, it's up there, yeah. Yeah, it's awful. So if I'm taking that, and yeah, I, the trade value on both those guys, oh. not that, not that good. 
Yeah. So I, I think if if they took on I still think there's gonna be multiple teams bidding to get to get trout for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. This offseason. And it'll bring his price up. Listen, if we gotta attach a prospect to it to make the deal, I think I would do it because at least trout, listen, he's gonna get hurt. We know that. But at least when he's healthy, he plays the field and he still is an a monster at the plate. But he will miss a lot of games, right? So yeah, um, and he's got. Let me. I'll tell you now. He got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years left at oh, uh, like thirty-seven million dollars a year. It's like eight for three hundred. Yeah, that that's what that's what you're getting him. Oh my god! And he's gonna be thirty-two next season. Right now he's all right. I'm sorry. He's thirty. He just turned thirty-two a couple of months ago. Wow. So that's that's pretty I, I still can't get over it's, the only reason I brought him up was because a while ago you did that three team trade where that scenario where <laughs> that that would have totally changed the face of today's baseball. Oh. If if it was Bryce Harper, Trout, and Judge. Yeah. And you just kind of juggled them and threw them up in the air and switched spots. The Phillies would never do that now. No. Obviously, the Angels would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, Phillies love Harper. The, the fans love him. No crap. And he would have been great here, too. But anyway, but, yeah, um, yeah he's a perfect he's a perfect fit in Philly. Um, yeah, but, and we'll get into the big signings this offseason because there will be yeah. plenty of downtime. I I know that I'm, right now I'm just negative on my team and, Give it, give it a month, a month tops. <laughs> once, once postseason baseball kind of winds down and our teams aren't in it, and we're rooting for the good, the feel good team of Baltimore or whatever. Once that kind of wears off, right, right in the start of winter, that's when I'll start clamoring for for more baseball, for new baseball in twenty twenty four, and we'll get into the off season pickups and rumors and I, I can see a lot of trades this offseason though because the free agent class is so it's so imbalanced. It's so skewed towards the pitching this year in the free agency. Yeah. That I could see a lot of players with, with team control, position players getting traded. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And the free agent market is not that plentiful this year. No, it's not the shortstop market of last year. No, definitely not. And I saw something where you look at the shortstops that, that signed, and I know it's tough to judge a long-term contract based off of one year, but so far, Dansby Swanson, is he was kind of running away with it for a while there. I know Trey Turner's kind of kicked it into high gear lately, and, and for – Everything that people want to say about Xander Bogarts, he still put up a very good year. Um, and even Carlos Correa, really bad statistical year, and they're in the playoffs with the Twins. Yeah. So, I think I, all, I, I, if I, they I'm, all make the playoffs and they're in their prime, I think, like you said before, if you sign somebody to a 10 year deal, you have to expect the last couple of years are going to be garbage. Yeah. And I, I I forgot who did it on, but someone on MLB Network put it up and showed that the last few years with all these big contracts, the first year these players took a step back to get used to the, you know, their new surroundings, new city, new team, and all that. But then the, the following year, they got back to their normal stats. So let's let's remember that and let's keep an eye on these guys. Let's see how Bo Bogarts does next season. Trey Turner, because like you said, they did bounce back. Trey Turner bounced back. Bogarts, I think, slumped. He started off great. He slumped a lot, and then he bounced back a little bit. Yeah, you know, back up to two eighty two. So that's that's not bad, you know. No. I mean, so I, I, it'll be interesting to see how these guys perform. You know, the rest of the way, especially next these next couple of seasons, if they get back to their average years, you know, their normal seasons. So. Yeah, and and tonight, big series, Houston, Seattle. In Seattle, so it's a West Coast. It's a late night game. 
think first pitch is like 940. Verlander versus Castillo tonight. Oof, man, that is it's a huge game. That's as big as you want right there. I mean, yeah. Hopefully it's on MLB Network. I mean, you can't get a bigger game than that, you know. It would be um should be. Yeah, that's what I'm I thinking. I hope so. Yeah, I'm thinking it is, right? Yeah, national MLB network out of market. There you go. All right. Perfect. Yeah. But uh yeah, that's I mean, right now they are a half game. Uh, Houston is a half game ahead of Seattle. But Houston's really, I mean, they're really, <laughs> they got punched in the mouth by Kansas City and Oakland recently, and they finished up their homestand. They finished up with their worst home record since, I think, 2013, wow. Houston did. Below 500, so it just shows you how good they are on the road. But I don't know. Until proven otherwise, I'm just going to go with Houston. They'll, they'll make it, I think. You, you got to, right? You got to go with the teams that normally do it. And I think on the op, the flip side, I think Toronto, the team that, you know, we've been talking about so negatively about, they've been hot. Um, and it looks like they're getting hot at the right time. Yeah, seven out of the last ten they've won. Yeah. I mean, this is when you want to play well. And right now they're, they're playing very well. They beat. Did they beat uh, Tampa two out of three? Uh, they took – they won the last one nine to five. They took all three. Oh, they swept them. Okay. So there you go. No, I'm sorry. You're right. Two out of three. They won six to two. They lost seven to six, and then they won nine to five. Right. And they had the lead going into the ninth, I think, in that. That's that's why I thought they swept them. But yeah, they swept Boston, and they took two out of three from you guys. And they took two out of three from Tampa. Yeah, I mean, right now they're playing. This is, but this is what this is the time you want to play good. And they got a nice little cushion now. They got a two game lead, you know, in the uh, in that wild card for the, the number two spot. They're not going to catch Tampa, you know, or Baltimore, obviously. So, but they're sitting pretty with that two spot. It's going to come down to the the West teams, basically, right? It's going to come down to Texas, Houston, Seattle. However, it works out. I mean, and Texas, we were down on Texas for a while. They've won five straight. Yeah, I don't know what to think of Texas. That bullpen terrifies me. It does. <laughs> I agree. I saw a stat today where I think they're the third worst ERA of bullpen in the second half of baseball. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's not good, but, but look – with that offense and with their starting pitching, I don't know. I mean, say if Houston doesn't make the playoffs, who's the team to beat in the American League? I still think Baltimore. Baltimore. They've been because they've been the most consistent all season. Yeah. You, we talk about Texas, great early, then they went into their slump. Now they're coming back a little bit. Minnesota is. Minnesota, that essential team. So. And Tampa Bay is dealing with some injuries now. Randy Rosarena came up limp. He was came, came up limping the other day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Turf top. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, but here's the thing: like, what if like, like we're we're not even thinking about Minnesota, right? We're not even like mentioning them as a as a. No, player. no. I I don't think I don't think it's just us. Nobody mentions them. Right. I, you kind of forget, and you know, like I think last night they they clinched their division, and it's great. They're you know they're only ten over five. They're only ten games over, but they've won their division. They're going to host the first round against whoever the final wild card team is. Um, do you think they have a I shot mean, to get at, out of that? Look at their lineup, though. I know it's it's it is what it is. You know, I hate to say it that way, but there's really nothing there. But they get Max out. Kepler is back up to 253, 62 RBIs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, do, you, do you really trust Sonny Gray in a big game? Yankee fans do not. No. No. But he's not playing in New York, so it might work. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, there, think about it. We talk about Correa. Not being great this year, but he's leading the, the team in RBIs with 65. That doesn't sound good, but 
maybe this is the year that they break their what is it 18 game 18 i thought it was 18 game losing streak in the playoffs or something like that yeah, 18 the last, series yeah the last time they won a game in the playoffs was the the uh the same year they've shown it on MLB today i think scotty pippen retired from the nba oh wow a couple other things but that was one of the big i think yeah. it was 2000 four or five or something wow so um yeah it's not good um you got to be happy uh, i know vasquez you always liked vasquez he's on that team yeah yeah and look that, that that trade couldn't have worked out any better vasquez goes to a team and he gets another shot to make the playoffs and play in october always liked him and the red sox get a couple of prospects that have turned into something so that's a win-win i i'm looking at the playoffs like to me, the American League is a free-for-all. There's no I'm, – I'm looking at it and I'm shaking my head. I, I'm just confused by the American League. And the National League, I think it's complete opposite. I, I'm looking at the wild-card teams. Somebody – I'm going to go crazy and somebody's going to win that doesn't deserve to. There's no way I have Atlanta or the Dodgers making the World Series. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't jump off – I can't jump back on Philly's bandwagon, but I can't jump off Arizona. Yet. And Milwaukee has just enough pitching where I want to where I want to stay. They're gonna they're gonna make a deep run. Milwaukee to me is the most dangerous team. Yeah, especially in a short series. Yeah, that's why Minnesota. Think about Minnesota. Their top three starters, right? You got Lopez, um, Gray, and you got Ryan. That's a pretty yeah. good one, two, three. Yeah, that could shut down whoever wins that wild card. Let's say, like right now, it's Houston. I mean, they could, but I don't think they will. But it's possible that they could do it. Or Toronto, like Toronto's hot now; they're playing great. But we've also seen them go into the playoffs and and lay an eight. So yeah. Um, what yeah. what team do you trust the most? In the American League. I mean, it has to be Houston. Yeah. So past performances, but now, uh, like, say Seattle somehow gets in over Houston, which isn't a big what if. Yeah, but, only about. So it's possible. I, would I mean, what, what team do you trust out of those teams? Based on just this year, it's got to be Baltimore, like you said. Yeah. But Quietly, Tampa Bay always figures it out with a no-name pitcher. Toronto's got all the talent in the world. Uh, Texas has got a really good lineup. Just like you said with Minnesota, very quietly a good team. And Seattle's there. So that's why I'm looking at the American League. And I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if any of these teams made it to the ALCS. Yeah, I, I could see – listen, I could see Seattle because they got pitching. Yeah. If their lineup, if especially if Julio gets going in the playoffs, if he gets hot, that's a team to definitely look out for because they have the pitching starters. They got the good back end, right, with Munoz. Um, so Seattle, to me, is the sneak. To me, Seattle is like the Brewers. They're the sneaky teams that could come out of nowhere. Not come out of nowhere, but they're the teams that could be the the surprise team that makes it. To yeah. The- because of their pitching, right? Because the Braves... It'll be interesting to see if both those teams with their managers, do they quite have enough experience in the big game to kind of put their team over the edge? Yeah. That's going to be interesting because most years there's just a clear cut, and I know Atlanta's the clear cut, but we haven't even talked about what I think is a huge, huge news. Charlie Morton getting injured. Yes. Atlanta, I guess he's going to be out for the NLDS because of this. Because they put him on the 15-day or the 10-day. Right, 15. So he's not eligible to return unless somebody else gets injured and then he can get put back on the roster. But um, if he's not there, who are they, who are they pitching? And Freed, too, is out. Yeah. So it could be – it's going to be Strider. Right, he's definitely one. 
yeah after that you got Bright Elder yeah and Kobe Outard right okay uh, yeah <laughs> I mean Elder is 12 and 4 I mean Look, you could, if you're looking at a 101 team and you're looking down their roster of pitching, you're going to find a lot of good numbers. But like we said in earlier episodes, is there somebody other than Spencer Strider that's going to step up and take the ball and say, here's six or seven innings? It's got to be one of those guys. They have yeah. to because otherwise you're relying on a bullpen that we we don't love to begin with. Right, and then that puts all the more pressure on this offense, which, look, their offense is great, but it puts more pressure on that lineup to kind of overperform and over, kind of overthink the whole situation. And let's be honest, if they got to play the Braves, uh, the Brewers, they're going to be in trouble with that pitching staff. Yep. The Braves, against the, the Braves do not, I'm telling you, do not want to play the Brewers. They they won't say that obviously in public, but they don't want to play the Brewers with that pitching staff because the, the you know it, good pitching almost always shuts down the good hitting teams in the in the playoffs. Always. Yeah. As a Yankee fan, we know that too well, unfortunately. But um that would be the nightmare scenario for the Brewers to face the Brewers in that in that um that first round. Oh no, they won't though. No, the Brewers would face the Brewers would place the Dodgers, and then the Braves would get the winner of the wild card matchup. Unless yeah. the only way that doesn't happen is if the Brewers lose. Well, obviously, unless the Brewers lose their first round. Well, no, either way, right? Either way, the either way the Braves are getting a wild card team. Yeah. So they're either going to get Philly, you know, the Phillies, Arizona, Cubs, Miami, whoever ends up coming out of that. Um, and, you know, like we were talking about before the show, uh, before we started, San Diego is still in this, <laughs> shockingly. Still got a chance. It's, it's crazy, but they're only five out. How about this? Because we're doing these what ifs. What do you think? What do you think the commissioner is hoping for? for a World Series matchup. Hmm. World Series matchup? Like what, what's quote-unquote best to grow the game, best for the game? Because oh, I'm, I'm thinking it's Baltimore versus somebody outside of Atlanta or the Dodgers. I don't think baseball wants Houston, Atlanta, L.A. Right. They don't want the usual. So let's say, I mean, probably prime would be Baltimore, Cincinnati. Right, uh, maybe the Padres. Yeah. Some hate the Padres, but I think the Padres have so much star power. Like, wouldn't you want to see Juan Soto and Tatis on the big stage? Yeah. Right. Um, Cincinnati, of course, with all their young players. Miami's got a lot of good young players, but they're not as known. I feel right. as San Diego and Cincinnati guys. Arizona, same thing. You know, the Phillies, the, I think just for the atmosphere of Philadelphia, like if you remember last that, year. That would be a pretty – I don't know if that is – is that a real rivalry? Because that could be. I'm just thinking geographically, Baltimore, Philly, right there. Oh, yeah, right next to each other? Definitely. Yep. Oh, yeah. that That'll get really heated. That, that games, those games, I should say, those would be great. Um, I think that yeah, I think outs they don't want Tampa in the in the World Series right just because of the stadium and they don't want that to be you know national TV. <laughs> yeah, what were your thoughts on that? We'll we'll finish up with that. That's a good place to kind of bring it back to teams that are in our division. Tampa Bay's news of their new stadium. What were your thoughts on that? Um, I mean it's a long time coming, but. My thing is long-term, or maybe not even long-term. I think in the short term, I think it's great. You know, it'll get some people there. But is the traffic going to be a problem like it like it's been 
yep. you know, in the dome, you know, and you have to you have to start asking yourself, is Florida, especially South Florida, a baseball area, right? Because the Marlins got their new stadium a few years ago. They've got a good team this year. Even last year, they were they were kind of fighting it, you know, most of the team most of the time. And there's nobody ever there. Right. So I, I don't know. I just I don't know if it's a good idea. Florida baseball, I don't think is good, you know, in that sense. Like it's not as popular. The Rays, how long have the Rays been good? Right. They've been good for like the past decade. And they have one of the longer. Lows. Longer. They 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 went to the World Series against the Phillies in what, two thousand eight? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. What, what was that? David Price as a rookie, remember, coming out of the bullpen? Yep. Evan Longoria. So they've been, and it's been on and off since then, but for a solid dozen years, at least. You know, and they get, you know, the usual like 17,000, 15,000 at their, you know, I don't know what their their average attendance is, but it's usually right around there. It's usually under 20,000 people. The only time they, they sell, you know, big numbers, it's either against the Yankees or against you guys when you guys come in, you know, because our fans travel well. And let's be honest, Florida, you get a lot of people from out of state living there, right? You get a lot of New Yorkers. So, yeah. you know, so there's not many, you know, quote unquote, Tampa Bay Ray fans there. You know, they're baseball fans, but they're not Tampa fans. They're Yankee fans or if they're retiring from, say, Massachusetts there, you know, anywhere in the Northeast, you know, they're Yankee fans, Red Sox fans, Baltimore fans maybe that retired in Florida. So, yeah. you know, that's that's the only thing that bothers me about that is that they're just not – it's just – to me, it's just not a good area for baseball. And it's been proven, you know. That's yeah, no, I agree with everything. I mean, my first thought was – are we really going to get catwalks 2.0 yeah. for the stadium? Are we really going to get that situation where, you know, a ball, fly ball is hit and it's just brand new stadium and it's all over again. If it hits the second ring, right. <laughs> third ladder from the, from the top is a double and like, come on. <laughs> I, I like the retractable roof idea for every stadium, but yeah. It just doesn't work down in Tampa. Yeah, so. let, let's let's hope the uh, the designing is is better than with than that previous than the dome that they have now because yeah, it it can't be that bad. That's the way I look at it. I mean, the rendering that I've seen quickly it looked really nice, but you know everything looks nice that way. But I, I don't know. I I'm just it's great for the the few fans that are down there, but you know overall I think it's going to fade after. The first couple of seasons, just like with the Marlins, right? What are the Marlins? What's their average attendance? You know, not enough. Because they're they're a good young team, like you said. They're just not getting enough people there. Yeah. You know, and it's it's, I think it's sad because you got you know a brand new stadium, right? Here's twenty. Is this twenty? Yeah, twenty twenty three attendance report average. Um, Tampa averages 17,000 fans. Um, the Marlins, where are they? Miami is second to last. The only team that's worse is obviously the A's. The A's are at 10,000 fans a game. Miami's at 14,000 fans a game. Wow. They just went over a million. They're at 1.1 for the season. Tampa's at 1.4 for the season. On the flip side, the Yankees are at 40, Dodgers 47,000, San Diego 40, you know, uh, Boston, as little as Fenway is, they're still averaging 32 a game. That's yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I do have on this date history. I heard one from the Yankee game. I just wanted to bring it up because it's a great story. 1965, Satchel Page becomes baseball's oldest player at age 59. He pitches the first three innings and gets a strikeout and gives up just one hit to Carl Yastrzemski, 
in his first major league appearance since 1953. So Page didn't pitch for 12 years, and then he comes back for Kansas City, and he pitches. Unbelievable. At that age, it's crazy. It is. And it's like we don't know how good he would have been, right? Yeah. To be played in the major. And the other thing on this day in history, or not this day in history, but this day every year, is happy birthday, uh, Rocco Baldelli. There you go. <laughs> so Minnesota Twins getting some love today. Uh, do we have any trivia or we? I did not. I figured we'd be talking mostly about the postseason and. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we did enough what ifs on the postseason, and watch, it's going to be two teams that we uh, we didn't mention. Yeah. Gonna sneak into the playoffs and go all the way. Yeah, and I think you know it's wide open. So I think anything is possible this year. Um, I don't think you could predict at all what's going to happen in this. I think this is going to be one of the better postseasons we've seen in a long time because it's really wide open. And with the Dodgers, yeah. with the Braves we just talked about, right, with the injuries they got in their rotation and their bullpen not being that great, it's it's wide open. I think a team – this is the year a team like Milwaukee, a team like Seattle yeah. – might actually win the World Series. <laughs> Crazy, but imagine Milwaukee. Crazy things have happened. Yep. Okay, here's here's a question, real quick. Who would you who would you rather be out, Toronto or Houston? Like not. Oh, geez. <laughs> I'll I'll go with Houston. Yeah, they, they've they've had their they've had their moments already. They had I don't mind if Toronto barely makes the playoffs and then gets swept, wins a game. They can wear that jacket or do whatever they want to do, and that's it. But Houston, I've had – but Houston, it's time to move over. You've, you've had your run. Yeah. And Houston, I feel like they could go on a run and they could get to the World Series. Yeah, of course. Right? That's, that's what I'm – Toronto, I don't fear that. Houston, I do. I just, yep. I don't think they're going to do it this year. I really don't. But they can do it. You know, we've seen it. Toronto will not do it. But this is the year that you might get a Seattle-Milwaukee um, matchup. I don't think that's a matchup that MLB wants to see. <laughs> but they might get it. And it might be a good series. You know, both with good pitching. It might be like an old school yeah. matchup. Um, you know, good pitching matchup. But yeah, it'll be interesting, man. It, I I can't wait for the postseason to start because it's every game's gonna be great, exciting, you know. Especially now with the new rules, with the time, the pitch clock. And did you know that was the other thing? The pitch, the pitch clock. There was a pitch clock rule in the rule book since the early days. It really, was never, it was just never instituted. So they just never enforced it. Yeah, but it is in the rule book. There is a book about it. You know, they they wrote about it. I forgot what the book, but I I did see it on MLB Network. They were talking about it, and I forgot what year the commissioner was gonna do it. And he had this plan where um, it was gonna be a clock on the on the main scoreboard, and if it went if it went to zero, a loud alarm would go off. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I don't think that would have been good, but. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that. It's actually it's in the rule book. It's just it was never enforced over the years. So it is there. Surprising. There you go. Yeah. That rule book's gotta be a thousand pages. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And another oh. thing before we go, I think we gotta mention Joey Votto playing possibly more or less his last game in Cincinnati. Um Getting the stand elevation. Yeah, got the hit and if I did uh, share it on Twitter on our we were talking rivals page, um, so we were talking rivals account. I his his uh, press conference after the game, uh, what he said about how it felt to be to get the standing ovation, and he's such a good guy, man. You could tell he just loves the game, and you know what? You got to give Votto a lot of credit because the Reds were bad for a long period of time, and he stuck with it. Yeah, he, I'm sure he's one of the guys that he gets it. Yeah. 
I'm sure they they approached him and said, hey, do you want to get moved? Yeah. We'll, we'll trade you, you know? And he probably said, no, I'm going to stick it out, you know? So, I mean, this is a guy, he's a the new age Hall of Fame guy that's going to go in, right? Doesn't have the big home run totals, but he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And I think the Reds are going to retire his number too because for the past, whatever he's been here, 15, 17, eight years, whatever, he's been their best player. Yeah. Right? So I think they got to retire his number. Yep. Definitely. I totally agree. He's uh, he's like an old school, but a new age with the stats kind of player. Yeah. So he brings it all together and great career. And hopefully they can have a couple more weeks and go on a run, get into the playoffs. But uh, this was episode 116, Talking Rivals. Next week we will be previewing playoffs for real and we'll put down our predictions and try to predict playoffs and that will get interesting and and then we can do um uh our awards for the regular season mvp rookie of the year manager of the year whatnot and um you can find us at talking rivals on twitter uh you can find chris at cp7ny i'm at patrick trotty you can find us Wherever you find your podcasts, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Apple, give us a like and a listen and subscribe. And um, until next time, enjoy the games. See you then.